1: You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home.
2: The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17.
3: This is the transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment Network. Expand your wonder. Hey there, JC Delatory, writer and creator of The Vampires of Whitechapel here. Episode 1 was pretty good, right? Well, thank you for coming back for Episode 2. We'll get going in just a second, but I just wanted to make sure that you knew about our Patreon for Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment. I know you're just starting out, so you don't even know yet if you like our show or not, but if you decide you do, you can be a crucial part of us continuing with future seasons by becoming one of our patrons on Patreon. We have a ton of great perks. For example, you won't have to listen to me pre-show, as our Patreon version of these episodes are commercial-free. You can also get the newest episode a week early. We have plenty of Patreon exclusives for this audio drama and other shows, plus shows that are Patreon exclusives. Of course, there will be behind-the-scenes stuff as well. Visit patreon.com slash TFA Entertainment for more information. One last thing, Midnight Syndicate was gracious enough to allow us to use their music for this broadcast. All the music you hear can be purchased at midnightsyndicate.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment presents The Vampires of Whitechapel Episode 2 The Letter, Part 2 Written by J.C. Dellatore Note, this show contains dramatic scenes of horror and descriptions of violence or gore that may be unsettling to young listeners. Parental discretion is strongly advised.
2: in the intrusion, governor, but I was frightful worried about you. Hadn't seen you on patrol for a few.
4: Molly Chambers. A whore I had befriended during my vigilance duties.
0: Yes, I've taken ill.
4: It was a voice that sounded nothing like mine. It was more like...
2: Oh, you do look a frightful sight, sir. Can I make you something to eat?
4: Curiously. My mind filled with her thoughts. She had fallen in love with me. Silly whore. I could never love her. But there was something else I wanted. Yes. I need to be fed. Come in. Please. Before the door shut, I was on top of her, ripping out her throat before she could scream any further, and sinking my teeth into the exposed artery. I sucked hard, and all insatiable hunger seemed to begin to subside. I tore off the top of her dress with my hands, suddenly deformed like that of the Ripper's. I dug into her chest, ripping through bone until I reached her internal organs. Some had more blood than others, and I devoured them whole. It was an ecstasy I had never felt in my life. Sex, cannabis, none of it compared to the ethereal feeling of that first kill. I tell you this not to disgust or frighten you, but to give you the full picture of what you will become when you say yes to me. You see, it's not just a small peck on the neck. Sucking the blood does not satisfy the hunger. The real nourishment comes from ingesting the organs. You devour the innards of your victim entirely. As I finished off the last of Molly's blood-filled heart, savouring each bite, I sensed
0: another presence in the room.
3: Who are you?
0: I've begun to believe i have made a terrible mistake by choosing you.
4: I scrambled to my feet and moved to a corner where I knew all my sides were protected. Suddenly a flame illuminated the room and I could see him. In his right hand he held a candle, the flickering light revealing a surprising change to his appearance. No claws or monstrous teeth. He looked like a pale human. The Ripper smiled.
0: It's your friend,
4: Jack. I gingerly exited the corner and walked toward the mirror in the hallway. Careful to step over the corpse of Molly Chambers. What I viewed in the mirror was hideous. It was no longer Jack that possessed the shark-like teeth, but me. I had the knives on my fingertips. I became what I was hunting. I was the monster. I was the ripper.
0: <laughs>
4: well, don't you look the side?
0: <laughs> Come. Take a look at the beauty you've become. You've transferred your evil to me. Don't be a fool, Alistair. You and I are no more evil than the lion on the plains of Africa. We feed to sustain ourselves, to continue our existence, just as the lion feeds on the gazelle. What? Have you made me? We are the Ferratu, known by many as Nosferatu. You most know us by another name. Vampire. <laughs> yes, you are no longer Alistair Conacher. That person died in the alleyway by Millacourt. So I cannot go into the sun. I am the undead. Creature of the night. The sun will not destroy you. It simply makes you weaker. You're at your weakest when the rays hit you. And you cannot feed during the day. Most of us just sleep away the day so we don't have to experience that feeling of weakness. Others look to avoid suspicion by carrying out mortal lives during the day while becoming their true form at night. And this face, these features, that is your bloodlust. When you're at your most famished, you cannot control letting your true face is revealed. You must feed. i suggest you don't wait as long next time. For if you wait too long and attack someone in public, you will be destroyed. So we can die? Definitely. There are ways. How? (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to tell you that. I just strongly advise you to keep your head about you. Oh, my God. What have I done? There, there. Soon you will lose feelings for these Poor unfortunates They're no different from cow, But
3: We are the
4: same
0: <laughs> Hardly
4: Do we not have the same organs? The same eyes form everything
0: I am human Not anymore You're no longer one of them You're not food for the immortals You are immortal I. I don't want this I don't want to be a bloodthirsty killer You are what you are You chose this, remember? I told you you would become as I am. He was right. I had chosen this life
4: instead of sacrificing myself to death. My cowardice brought this on me.
0: (sighs) There. Now look in the mirror once more.
4: I did as he commanded, and I was me once again. My thin face had returned. My blonde mustache had stains of blood, but it was
0: there. I no longer had the protruding teeth or the claws. Once the lust is satisfied, the monster returns to his cage and leaves you with the cleanup. What am I to do with her? That brother is entirely up to you. I like to leave them where they be, flaunt my power and strength in the face of the human beings. Have them fear me, because nothing tastes better than the tears of the terrified. He headed to the doorway turned and winked at me. I'm off to America. I suggest you join me there or some other place. I've ruined London for our kind. In a flash she was gone,
4: leaving me weeping at my monstrosity. I dismembered Molly, dumping her into the Thames. They would find her later, but never connected her to the Ripper killings. I left London for Milan, then Rome, Transylvania, Moscow, Paris, I continued to travel the world, feeding, looking for more of our kind. I never saw Jack again. For that, I'm glad. I heard he met his demise in America, at the hands of a rival vamp named Socrates, a Roman. I travelled to America in 1905, making it here before the First World War began. I moved silently from city to city. No one knew of my existence. I always disposed of the bodies well. During the day, I worked in broad daylight. I had different trades throughout the years. With enhanced senses, I was a talented artist, sculptor, and anything else that worked in my hands. As the years went by, I became fascinated with death. Murder by humans on humans. I began to work as a detective. Homicide. My speciality was to track down serial killers. I learned how the police investigated, what tools they used to discover the murder. It protected me as I fed.
2: I stopped reading right there. What? He was a homicide detective? It explained so much. How he avoided our various detection methods, left only the clues he wanted. It all came together. But was he still one of us? One of my own team? There was more. Much more in the letter. But for now, I think I should take you back to the beginning of our hunt for the serial killer known as Alistair the Annihilator. So you could understand how I could do what I did, became what I am. You see, I also had a choice, but that choice was taken away from me. We talked a bit about how I came to Alistair the Annihilator's attention, but I never went into detail about how this came about. I worked to become part of the Bureau's Serial Killer Task Force for several years. I took every assignment in every backward podunk FBI office I could. If it was a murder, I'd do everything I could to solve it. Mostly I dealt with drug-related murders, domestic violence that turned deadly, and your random prostitute meeting with the wrong John. After five years of experiencing the seedy side of the world, I was finally called up to the majors. I joined the FBI task force to find a Michigan serial killer with a fondness for stabbing black men called the Serial Stabber, in the press. He was caught in an Atlanta airport trying to leave the country. I discovered his Middle Eastern descent from my research into the killings and advised of the flight risk. I found his itinerary through the FAA's internal computer system, enabling us to make the collar. With my first big case under my belt, my new unit welcomed me on the next. Carl Ambrose had been on the SKTF a Serial Killer Task Force, for about four years. He was one of the first African Americans to get the assignment. He had been decorated multiple times with the FBI Medal for Meritorious Achievement, the Medal of Valor, and the Shield of Bravery. Needless to say, he was one of the best. In his 40s, he still kept a young appearance, with a close-cropped hairstyle and smooth mocha skin. His frame was fit, muscular, and he sported a tiny mustache. He had an air about him, a confidence that made all around gravitate to him. His partner for the past two years was Larissa Cantello. Like Ambrose, Cantello had gone through some traumatic murder scenes. She was instrumental in the capture of some of the most notorious serial murderers, with her command of forensics, meticulous data analysis, and ability to pour through the data and see the truth. She was pretty, in her twenties, with short-cropped dark brown hair and caramel skin. She had a tiny nose with a mole near the tip. Cantello always seemed to be trying to prove herself to her partners, even though she already had their full confidence. Our SAC, Special Agent in Charge, was Panagiotis Nasso. He was older, with grey bushy hair that he obviously struggled with combing every morning. His suits were expensive, more than most government salaries would pay for. Still, Geo, as he asked to be called, wasn't dirty. He ran a tight ship, complete with deadlines and expectations placed on all of his subordinates. He also had a keen mind for criminal investigation, able to pick up on some of the minutest detail that most would miss. As I walked into the meeting room for SKTF at FBI headquarters, my senses were assaulted by hundreds of pictures of brutally mutilated bodies. 14 murders in total. All people of different sexes, races, and religious beliefs posted onto a large whiteboard. There were young preppy college kids and old vagrants. There were hetero and homosexuals. Each murder was extremely violent in nature, But the manner of deaths seemed to change. All the victims had their insides torn out by sharp objects, and in all of the cases, the organs were gnawed on by some strange animal that we simply couldn't identify. Even stranger, the DNA recovered from the scenes that didn't belong to the victim was identical, but had the most unusual characteristics. It was definitely human, but with something... different some sort of chromosome or mitochondrial strand was off according to the squints. Sorry, lab technicians. They couldn't definitively identify the perpetrator as human. Aside from the mutilations and weird DNA, there wasn't much stringing the cases together. They were all from different parts of the country. The closest thing you could find to a pattern was that they always seemed to occur at night. Still, it didn't matter which night of the week or the cycle of the moon, Each victim seemed to be chosen, randomly.
1: Thank you for listening to Vampires of Whitechapel. If you like our show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast apps that podcasts are aired. Be sure to rate our show. If you'd like to listen to commercial-free versions of this podcast, and ensure the next season of Vampires of Whitechapel. Join us on Patreon at patreon.com TFA Entertainment. We will have exclusive Vampires of Whitechapel content, including Patreon-only episodes, early access to these episodes, and behind-the-scenes interviews with actors and creators. All just for you. Join us in two weeks for the next spine-tingling chapter of Vampires of Whitechapel*. Alistair Conacher and Jack the Ripper were played by Alexander Dottie. Ariana Grayson was played by Kat Noel. Molly Chambers was played by Kat Noel. This episode was written, produced, and directed by J.C. De La Torre. Music for this episode was provided by Midnight Syndicate, Find more of their music at Midnight You can find out the latest news and developments regarding this audio drama at Vampires of Whitechapel. Transmissions from Atlantis.com and our Facebook page. Be sure to follow the Vamps on Twitter at Ariana Grayson, at Alistair the Vamp, and at Jack the Ripper WC. But be warned if you at them, They just may at you back. This has been a production of Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment.
0: Welcome to another bizarre episode brought to you in amazing 3D. Hello, faithful listeners. I am Victor, your humble host. Welcome to Schlock Audio Theater, where cinema is a cheesy delight. Filled to the brim with juicy leaps of logic. Where the bottom of the barrel is top shelf. Where bad is better. Cheap is chic. Plots are pointless. And a good time is had by all. (laughs) Now, adjust those audio goggles. And hang on because Schluck Audio Theater is on the air. Igor.
2: Hi, Rich with the Texas Radio Theater Podcast. Look for us on iTunes and wherever you get your audio feeds. Over the next few episodes of Season 8, we are revisiting and reposting the Schlock Audio Theatre titles produced by the Columbia Radio Theatre over a dozen years ago. And we're inviting their co-creator, Charles Pratt, to comment on them and on Schlock Audio in general. So lots of great stuff that has somehow avoided the internet for years. But we found them and we're bringing them back to you so adjust your audio goggles and prepare to watch more schlock audio on the texas radio theater podcast